1: Hi, Louise. We are back and we are talking once again, we're getting near the end of The Mistress's Daughter by A.M. Holmes. Definitely a must read.
0: Yes, we are almost done. This is probably, we're probably only one more, one or two more discussions yep.
1: about this book. I will have you note that the next section, which should make you laugh, do you see the title of it? My Father's Arse. Yes. <laughs> I did see that. It made me laugh. Yeah. Actually, great. she says ass, not ours. Oh, does she say ass? Yeah. I don't know where I My got Father's arse. ass. <laughs> I don't even say ours,
0: but there you go. Maybe Three. it's your religious upbringing. You, you don't feel comfortable cursing.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Am. Okay. Am, <laughs>
0: are you listening?
1: <laughs> I hope so. We are still in the part that's the electronic anthropologist. The anthropologist. I, I love how it's just so
0: many adoptees that we talk to and our OCD, you know, we're so good at searches and this entire section we read is just about her meticulous and patient searching because it was the early days of internet. Yes. So, and there was early DNA. She did submit to a
1: new. Oh, DNA you know what service. it was? National Geographic.
0: National Geographic. So
1: this was what? 2000 Crazy. early two like, The aughts, early aughts, I think. Yeah, it was really, and I was very impressed. Who's the adopted genealogist that we have on our show? I wanted her to be like, hey, you got some competition here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is like another level of digging. Lynn,
0: that was Lynn.
1: Lynn. Uh, Yep, Lynn, because I don't think I have the dig in tenacity that she does. This is a whole nother thing because you have to go building to building. Do you think?
0: Uh, Well, I wonder if because it's so at our fingertips now. Yeah, that like I did. I remember going to the Mormon. Oh right, you did. Place in West LA, Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah, the of course, temple. I didn't have any information then. The temple. Yeah, I didn't have any information, but I went trying to find something. So.
1: Yeah. And I guess so, because before the internet was heavy duty, what it is now, you and I went building to building to open our ice cream truck, like literally. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I think it if you want something, you do it. Now yeah. I'm a little lazier with it because somebody else prior to me and my on my birth father's side did all the work
1: on that side.
0: So I'm like, oh, okay. Um,
1: <laughs> well, what things stood out to you in this? I have a few little Things like she found out some history that was fascinating, just in general, like the history well you know what yeah. the
0: one thing that stood out was she mentioned something about there'd been a gambler and she's like and yeah. money stuff and like how that clearly <laughs> went down went down through the generation, <laughs> you know, because her, her mother Ellen was yeah, you know, had all that stuff.
1: Oh, and Ellen, this part about the stepfather I thought was the big part mm. there because she's finally She did figure out, right, who the stepfather was. It took a lot. It
0: took her a while. That was like the big piece. And finally, she found it. Finally, she found the marriage certificate. And wasn't
1: he the, I mean, I might be wrong remembering because there's a lot of details in this, but wasn't he the fourth husband?
0: Fourth husband.
1: Yeah. So she had, Ellen had a series of men go through her life. And that man in particular did something to her or had they're not sure, but some inappropriate situation that caused Ellen to be who Ellen was. Mm-hmm. That part, I was really like, wow, trying to try, like, I felt like I was on this thing too, like, let's find him. And then what are we going to do to him? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he was long dead at that long point. Long dead. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. want him
1: to be, I wanted to like get mad at him. <laughs>
0: and then she finally found on Norman's side, Was it a cousin of Norman's Mm. or something? And she was going to meet him and then he canceled at the last minute. Yeah, what was up with that? Yeah, there's no, she didn't know why, but the disappointment was just, you know, you're just, just that adoptees with no answers and having to chase and wonder and be at the will of everyone else. And it just, there was that theme. It's constant
1: rejection. Right when you said that, I see. she said, after that, I decide to suspend the live interview portion of the adventure, which I like, she calls that the adventure. Yeah. At least for now, it's too much of a setup for rejection and too painful to continually repeat. I mean, even just looking through, you're not right there too. You're looking for family, just the rejection hits like it was a big thing again. Mm -hmm. Like you're not really allowed to know this.
0: Well, it's you know the wound is never fully healed, so it's just like the scab doesn't get like my toe right now, for example. (laughs) (laughs) Had surgery on my toe, by the way. Anyone who's listener,
1: you do not want to see pictures. We will not be posting. I've seen them. (laughs) I I was talking to friends this weekend about the wound. We really got into a discussion about why it's different than other wounds because everybody has trauma. Mm -hmm. And I was with people who were not adoptees. And so you feel a little bit put on the spot, like, okay, let me go to bat for all adoptees out there and say why it's different when you're having these conversations. But it was a really open group to listening. And they're like, wow, we're learning a lot. They wouldn't know this. And that's what I think about our podcast all the time. Right? Like, I didn't know what I didn't know until we started doing this. And so I'm really glad that we're helping to, I don't know, just share this with the world not just adoptees but other people too to go oh there's a big thing happening here
0: yeah yeah sharing our lived experiences and
1: yeah and having guests tell all of theirs and I'm finding that we talk about this all the
0: time but just the common thread that we all share that bonds us in a way that like I don't have with other people that no I know that don't share
1: that with me yeah, that's what I was telling. The well, that was that it, that's what I was yeah. trying to think
0: earlier about the NPR doing this series yeah. on adoptees. And they talked about that wound that adoptees all mm-hmm. share that others don't. So, yes.
1: Well, shout out to NPR for doing that. And they should. Hey, NPR. Yes. <laughs> Sarah and I would love to talk to you and give you some of our guests to speak with also.
0: <laughs> Today right. was about transracial adoptees. Yes. Uh, so next up is the final chapter that we will be discussing next about A.M.'s father's ass. <laughs> ass. A-S-S. A-S-S. Yes. <laughs> really, like, if you look at the picture, you can so see how much she looks like him.
1: I immediately, I wish we could show it. I know. We, it's we can put it up with our Instagram. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm excited about our next guest. She's Me a too. friend of the show, so it'll be fun. Yes. See okay. you in a couple of minutes. See you soon.
0: We just wanted to say thank you to our new sponsor, S12F. Between him and our Patreons, we are now weekly, which is so exciting. We've been trying to reach this goal for quite some time. So thank you to everybody who's been a part of this and for helping getting us here. And if you too want to be a Patreon and be part of this, you can go to patreon.com and search for Adoption the Making of Me. But really, we just wanted to say thank you to everybody for making this possible and to continue making it possible.
1: So we're here for another morning interview, which we're excited about, and we met our next guest through Facebook. She reached out to us, heard about the podcast, and with no further ado, Ruth Bindig, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks. Hi, Ruth. Hi welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. Good to see
2: you. To put Good faces, to see you. To put faces to the names and the voices is nice. That's yes. right.
1: It's really yeah. nice. And we're here with all of our dogs as well. So we'll yes, like I, see, I see that Sarah's dog just <laughs> jumped off the bed.
0: Well, he's afraid of flies that I just put two and two together. He's afraid of flies. So he's just gone under my feet at my
2: desk. So. <laughs> well, Millie, my dog is here. Apparently, if I keep my hands on her, we're good. So I'll be petting my emotional support dog all the way through. Perfect. That's perfect. So, well, tell so us, we'll, Let's just yeah. jump
0: in. Tell us your story. Yep.
2: All right. So I was adopted... Well, I was placed with my adoptive family when I was five and a half weeks old, born in the early 60s in Wisconsin. Uh, I was in foster care for the five and a half weeks prior to my placement, spent a little bit of time in the hospital. In there, my foster father took me back to the hospital. So I was born, put in foster care a week, 10 days in the hospital, back in foster care and then placed with my adoptive family within the span of less than two months. And raised in an adoptive home, my parents had been trying for many years to have children and were not able to, and then ultimately adopted three of us, all from different biological families, were not genetically related, within the span of four years. So they said it took, took them, which is very fast. Are I you the oldest? I am the oldest. Yes, I'm the oldest. And for the most part, just a very good, kind of solid Midwestern upbringing. Dad was a minister, mom was home. She worked volunteer work. When I got to middle school, she started working in a job where she left the house. And it never really bothered me much that I was adopted. I mean, it was just kind of the way it was. I didn't know many other adoptees, but everyone in my parents' circle had known that they were looking to adopt children. And I never ran into any of this, like, you're the adopted kid stuff, right? Like, nobody put that qualifier in front of daughter when I was growing up. My parents didn't. My extended family didn't. Our community didn't. It wasn't until I actually left home. Well, there was one time in junior high, we moved to a new, we moved from one state to another in junior high. And because I had never thought anything about being adopted other than it was kind of like a cool, something about me that was special that other people didn't have. I was mentioning it to these new girls that I was meeting in my new junior high. And one of them started calling me a bastard. Oh, And I, said, for the one time in my life, I'm not usually really good at having retorts on the tip of my tongue. Right. But I said, well, at least I knew my parents wanted me. Yeah. Which kind of cemented my social status in that school for a while, but it felt good in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't really until I got older that I started realizing that not everyone viewed adoption the way that my adoptive family does. Right. Society. Yeah. Society at large. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, the other thing that I think was if my mother and father never hid the fact that we were adopted. Like, I don't remember ever being told that I was adopted. It was just the way our family was built, right? There's this book called The Chosen Baby. Have you heard about that book?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's a little cringy to read now because it feels a little bit like the Browns are shopping for a baby. They well, go, you know, the social work I think that's calls.
0: often the case. <laughs> right.
2: Right. You know, the social workers give shows them a child and they say, oh, no, no, that's not our baby. And oh, she shows God. them her child. And they, and yeah, I mean, and as an adult, I look at that now and go, mm, not so great. But at the time, it was kind of like I was a chosen baby. Right. Like I know my parents wanted me. They picked me. Right.
0: That's all the brainwashing of the early adoption stuff. <laughs> I think
2: so, yeah, but it's also, you know, my parents, again, another difference, I think, first of all, my father lost his father when he was three. My adoptive father lost his father when he was three. So he knew what it was like to lose a parent. And both of my parents had known people who were adopted and found out late in life, right? We call them now late discovery adoptees. Mm -hmm. Right. And both of my parents had known people who found out late in life that they were adopted and who found it devastating. My mom said they said it was devastating. So they didn't want that to happen to us. So while mom was reading us this like this chosen baby, which was in constant rotation, I can still almost recite it, right? she would tell us about our birth parents. Like there was never a secret. They always spoke about, especially the birth mother. Birth fathers are kind of never, the mother is more prominent in these stories. Always They're like the, the side character. <laughs> yeah, the father was like, he, he helped, but it's about the mother. So I knew things about her that a lot of adoptees didn't know. I knew more of my story than a lot of adoptees of my era, right? I come from the very closed adoption era. I think we're all kind of roughly the same age. I might be a little older than you, but it's yeah. a very closed adoption era. But I knew that she was 18, that she had come from the West Coast and she had gotten pregnant in high school and kept her pregnancy a secret and that she came halfway across the country to keep her secret and that she had given birth to me and gone back and that my father was an artist and much older than she was, like in it, he was a graduate student and that there was heart disease in the family and type two diabetes. So I had a little medical information and her father had died of a heart attack before I was born. That's a lot for back then. It is a lot, right? And so I didn't feel like I needed to search much because I had so much more than most people already, right? And then, you know, I think as many of you, almost every single guest says, I started having my own children. Yes. Right? My husband and I have four children and I can't ask my mother what her pregnancies were like. I don't know what her deliveries were like. And my oldest son is born and I have dark hair and dark eyes. And my boy has blonde hair and blue eyes. Where the heck did those come from? Right. And the joke is, of course, he looked very much like my adoptive father as a baby. And so people would say, oh, he looked, you know, he got it from grandpa. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Blue eyes through osmosis. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So you started having kids and you started getting curious.
2: I did, but I also, the other thing that was ingrained in me as part of that era is that I didn't necessarily have a right to more information, Mm -hmm. right? I already have a lot more than most people. And the idea that my surfacing and finding her would be disruptive and upsetting and not a good way to thank her for the gift of adoption was very ingrained in me. I was on a razor's edge for, for decades, really, for a very long time. I would really like to know more. But I also really don't want to upset her
1: or do something that would hurt her. Part where do you think it, it was ingrained from? Was it family or just society? I was trying to think. I had that feeling too. And I, you know, I, know
2: I've been trying to figure that out. I think part of it is just mostly society. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there was just sort of an accept, like that was just the way it was. Yeah. There wasn't a challenging of it, right? It was just, there are some things we don't know in this life and you can't yeah. know that. And there's no way to find it out. People would say, well, don't you want to find your real parents? And I would say very indignantly, I know who my real parents are. They're the people who raised me. But there just wasn't a way to find out. So why waste a lot of energy worrying about it? I already have more than most people. I should be grateful for that. I was grateful. I was grateful. I felt like I should be. And I was indeed grateful for that. I actually had medical information, right? I knew there'd been heart disease and diabetes in the family, which is more than a lot of people of my generation knew.
0: Didn't any part of you feel like biologically you were somebody else and that you nope. wanted to know gosh nope nope i mean i
2: think have I you think, ever
0: felt do you feel that way now
2: do i feel that way now in some ways yes but really i look at it more like this is an addition as opposed to i think also i am a lot like my adoptive mother she and my birth mother have a lot in common genetically they're from similar like my mother loved, my birth mother's father was a doctor, so was my mother's stepfather. So they had a lot in common. And so I do wonder if the fact that I happen to be adopted by people who are similar to the people I genetically come from made a difference. This is one of those things I don't know that we'll be able to parse out. Right, yeah. But I also think for a lot of people, you start worrying about things and really chewing on things when you're developmentally or emotionally ready to do so. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't ready to think about that stuff. I had good parents. I get along with them. I had, I think, a good adoptive experience as good as it can be under the circumstances. I had adoptive parents who in the 60s were aware that I would want and need and had a right to some information about my other family. They I was never going I think, yeah, I think that's actually pretty big.
1: Yeah. I mean, part. they never
2: denied that I came from other people ever. And they always spoke about my birth parents with tremendous respect. There was That's never. What, yeah. and so I think between those two things, it was easier for me just to accept it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So I have a question. You have two siblings who are adopted. Yes. Do they, and it's not their story, obviously. But did yeah. they have the same sort of feeling, do you think? Or they sort of. Uh, we all feel a little differently. We oh. all feel differently. I have two
2: younger brothers that are adopted. One was never really satisfied. The adoption really felt the adoption trauma more. Now what I recognize now is adoption trauma more than any of the rest of us. The other wants nothing to do with it. He's happy with the family he has, he's done. Yeah, he doesn't want to investigate at all. Doesn't want, does not want to open that pand- it, it is a Pandora's box. I mean, he's right, right? It's a Pandora's box when you start digging around and you have to be ready to deal with whatever comes out because once it's open, it can't be closed again. Right. So that brings us to how did, (laughs) (laughs) how did I find out? Yep. Well, yeah. The search part. Well, I, again, I had multiple children by baby three. I was starting to really appreciate more that it wasn't just this kind of, you know, I'm very apparently a late bloomer. I don't know, but I I, (laughs) like, how do you give this baby up? Yeah. Yeah. How do you say goodbye to this baby? Even though in the early sixties, There was not a social structure for her to have be a single mother at 18, right? Especially for a middle, I mean, a middle-class girl in the 60s. I knew that she did probably, you know, likely did not have a social structure, but my image of her as, well, you know, well, I'm pregnant. Okay, well, I will simply have to give the child up for adoption because of course, abortion is not an option, right? It didn't start to really occur to me until I was a couple of kids in before like, oh, this might've really been bad for her. Right? That's a big wake-up call when you feel that It was that a way. huge wake-up yeah. call. Yeah, it was a huge wake-up call. And then I had my fourth baby. And right after she was born, the book, The Girls Who Went Away, came out.
1: Mm.
2: And I have a friend whose birth mother is one of the mothers whose oral history is in that book. So she mentioned it on Facebook. And so I got it and read it. And it was a huge smack in the face. It just really drove home that these girls were not treated well. It was awful and traumatic and devastating. And I started really, you know, like if this had been me, I probably because I was a good girl growing up, right? I was the good girl adoptee type of child, oldest and all that. I would have probably given my kid up, but I would have always wanted to know that my baby was okay and I had done the right thing. Yeah. I mean, really would have needed that information for just my own peace of mind. right. So at that point, so several years before that, I'm going to backtrack back when my oldest was little, the state of Wisconsin, I was adopted out of Wisconsin. The state of Wisconsin instituted what they call their adoption record search program. And you can send away to the state and they'll send you non-identifying information for a fee, of course. They will send (laughs) you non-identifying information. And, or if you want to try to do a search, they will track your birth parent down. The rules, as I understand them, is that they will track the birth parent down. And if the birth parent, hello, pupper, if the birth He's parent, a hard time. <laughs> it's okay, mine have given up and our sleep on the couch. If the birth parent doesn't want contact, they'll try again in a year. And if the birth parent still doesn't want contact, it's done. They I won't try. It's, again. it's shocking. This is, I
1: think you're the second person has mentioned Wisconsin in this way. No. Mm. Far more progressive than other states at that time. For that era, although they're yeah. now behind because now, now many states are opening their
2: records and they're still not opening the records. Yet. Yeah, like Colorado. Um, so, so I decided after, and so so I'm sorry, I'm, track, I'm still back to when my oldest was little. Right. He was not even one. My mother sent away for the paperwork. At the time, there was no oh. internet. So she sent away for the paperwork. And I was at her house and she like showed up with the paperwork and said, in case you ever want to look, here's the paperwork. Wow. And at the time I was like, yeah, no, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I'm just, I've got a one-year-old, dad just had hearts. I'm not ready for this. But I knew it was there. I had kept the paperwork. And so when my fourth child was born and I read The Girls Who Went Away, my husband had always been like, of course you want to look. Why wouldn't you want to look? You should be looking. <laughs> I sent away for the non-identifying paperwork. And it came pretty quickly. And it confirmed a lot of what I knew and it added new information as well. What kind of new information was on there? Now I knew she had siblings, that she was the middle of three children. I found out what state she was from. Well, I knew what state she was from, but I thought she was from a different part of that state. Now I know exactly where she, more or less exactly where she's from. One of the other things I had been told was that my birth father's mother had died in
1: childbirth, and that was confirmed in the paperwork. That's an interesting thing to have in the paperwork.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that detail sticks with people, (laughs) right? Right, Right. And clearly he had told her at some point, right? I found out that she had just shown up at the state social work office one late summer day and said, I'm about to have a baby. She said she was seven months pregnant and she wanted to put the baby up for adoption. So because she was a minor at the time, remember at the time, 18 is a minor, they put her in foster care. And Mm -hmm. as far as the state, and and she was not telling them anything. What's in the paperwork is that she's really scared. The social worker even says, I'm not pressing her for details. If I try to get too much out of her and find out who her parents are, she's going to run away. So
1: they were, so so this is in Wisconsin. Yeah. And she's from the West Coast, Coast. the West Coast. Coast. So she just showed up on her own. Yeah.
2: And that was the other thing. Like, remember when I say my parents are talking, you know, admiringly about my birth mother, this is this 18 year old in 1962. It's so brave. Incredibly brave. Yeah. Incredibly brave. Like I could not have done it. I don't, I mean, I just could not have done it. And probably on a bus,
1: right? Like right, yes. Pregnant,
2: alone, on a bus to a state where she said she had some family friends around that she could call on if she needed to, but she didn't want to, att- to reach out to them. She was kind of intimidating. I mean, reading about her in this paperwork, she's kind of intimidating, right? That's like all that. That's a lot so this of self
0: um, Yeah, that is. So this is after your fourth child, you just got the non-identifying information. Yes. Okay. Right. And then, then what happened from there?
2: Well, well, and I'll also say like all of the adoption, the other things that happened in that paperwork and some of this, I reread it occasionally and find new things. Like again, when I'm developmentally ready, I find new things. Right. But like they mentioned that a sister had some struggles, but we don't think it's anything that we need to mention to the adoptive parents. Like, oh, wow. the social history is so good. We're telling them pretty much everything, which means that sometimes you don't.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. Little secrets. Yeah. Lots of secrets all around. And I was happy with that information for a long time. Again, that's more than most people have. And it was more that I knew. My youngest child had a lot of health problems as a little one. And then one of my older children developed epilepsy in high school. And suddenly the need for medical information is much greater, yeah. right? There are different kinds of epilepsy. Some that's caused by trauma, some that's organic. We didn't know what, what they had. The medical information need started to overwhelm my desire to not open Pandora's box too much, just to crack. I was, I was happy just to crack it to here, but now it doesn't really work
1: that way though. Does it, it doesn't. <laughs> once you start opening,
2: you just want to crank it open and dive in. Right. Yeah. 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 So I sent away for the identifying information. I talked about it with my husband and I sent away for the identifying information. And within a couple of weeks, I got a letter back from them telling me that she had falsified her last name and birth date. And that because of that, they could not find her. Hmm. So now I'm like, well, if she falsified that, what else did she falsify? What do I actually know? Maybe all the stuff I thought I knew, I don't know. It's a mystery now. And I called the state and talked to the social worker who said that there were some irregularities in the termination of parental rights hearing, which was interesting. And that there is no father named in the place for the father is a thick black line. What does that mean? Actually. I'm sorry. What does, what, what, mean? what does that mean? That you're irre- I don't know be more specific. It, she said oh. they skipped steps. Oh, they skipped steps. My guess is it has something to do with notifying the birth father. Right. I don't know because I'm not allowed to look at my own documentation. Right. right. And right. she, knowing her, if she's secretive, she's probably not giving that information up to notify the birth father. <laughs> right. My, you know, my husband said like, well, somebody knows somebody. The only way you get a court proceeding through with things that aren't regular like that is if somebody knows somebody. So we don't know who the family that she had in the Midwest was or the family or the friends. She said friends in the documentation. We don't know. And she did not give me a name. That was the other thing. I didn't have a name. So, okay. Well, that feels like a door that's just been slammed, right?
1: How did you feel about
2: we... that? Did you feel kind of? Let down. Yeah. Let down. Like, I mean, I was ready. I, I felt like I was ready to take this step. It's a big, brave step, honestly. It to, is. To make that contact, right? It's really scary. Cause you don't know you're opening yourself up to rejection
1: yeah.
2: or you're opening yourself up to someone who wants more from you than you feel ready to give. It's a chasm, right? It's like you're about to step off a bridge into a chasm. And so I was already with one foot poised over the edge of the ledge and I got yanked back and that was disappointing. That was disappointing. And so then so, what? Okay. So then, <laughs> you know, I, I, I tucked it into a file drawer for a while, like a mental file drawer And I have a friend who is really good at genetic. She does ancestry family trees. She does a lot of genetic research and we were bored and she kind of talked me into my adoptive mothers from the South family connections are huge down there. Okay. So I started doing building trees for my adoptive family. From your adoptive family. Yeah. I mean, they're my family, right? Like, but I don't, and I have no way of knowing who the other people are. So if I'm going to build a tree, what other tree would I build? Right. Right. And so I built one for mine. I built one for my husband's. I mean, this all these are my children's heritage as well. <laughs> my son was very excited when we found a relative on my mother's side that would have gotten us membership into the DAR or the Sons of the American Revolution. Right. And then we find out that they won't take you if you're adopted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It has I to know be, this, right? And it's
0: like although I, I am actually you. genetically a DAR. Yeah,
1: as, yeah. as it turns too, out, how oh, <laughs> are won't you taking?
0: Genetically, not
2: adopted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like are like, yeah. you're legit. I'm just a
1: poser. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm, a po- I'm a poser too. And I'm not allowed to. I'm a little red box on there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I started doing it, And then I started seeing the ads for the DNA tests and started hearing more. I mean, this, my youngest child is 15 now. So when I'm talking about doing all this, it's like in the mid 2000s. And technology was catching up with me as time wore on, right? This mm-hmm. all took place over decades, And so I finally, you know, I sent away for the DNA test. I decided to just, I don't know, I was braver than I usually am. I just threw caution to the wind. And then it sat in the house for six months before I spit in the tube. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't do anything quickly. And then when the results came back, I opened it up and it's just wild. You go from no genetic relationship to over 1,500 genetic relatives.
1: I get them every day distant. still. I get, I get like cousins every day, it tells me. I just, yeah, I yeah. just got one today. Did you? Oh, they updated <laughs> the database. I'll have to go look.
0: No, no, just a third cousin.
1: Yeah, well, they were all distant. Cousin. And they
2: were all distant hits. That was the problem, though. Like, there was nothing closer than a third cousin. Oh, you had all distant hits. All distant, but there's thousands of them. So Kathleen, my friend that was teaching me the ways of genealogy, and I started building trees and moving my DNA around. And quickly, we were able to sort it into two distinct branches. We didn't know which side was which parent, but we could tell that these people are not related to these people. And then about six years ago, was it six years ago? Four years ago. Four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. Sorry. I woke up. I got a text at six in the morning from Kathleen, and she's like, you have a first cousin hit. And oh, first so cousin I,
0: on ancestry can easily mean a sibling too.
2: It could, but this was actually a first cousin. This was actually a first cousin. It was under a thousand centimorgans. So that well, you know, that's the end of that sleep. I come downstairs and I open it up, and there she is. And could you message her? Like I have. Yes, all sorts of I weird could. Stuff. But I was not. I again, I, I was like, okay, not sure I'm ready for this. Right. Like right. On a random Wednesday morning, am I ready for this? Right. Um, I got everybody up and out. Kathleen and I talked about it. Kathleen had done some work on it. And she pointed out that the cousin had linked an obituary to her tree, that she had a public tree and she had linked an obituary. And the obituary names everybody.
1: That's how I, I found a lot of things through an obituary too. Oh,
2: you they, know what? And the Going sons forward, of
1: so-and-so and the married. God so, yeah.
2: bless the people who pay extra to put the genealogy in the obituaries, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a God, they were a treasure trove. So rather quickly, and and then also, you know, I was not ready. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was like, "What do I do?" I started. My brain just started spinning, right? Like that anxious kind of. Uh, and yeah, you know, like, just take a breath. You don't have to do anything until you're ready. The illusion of control. Like I'm going to have any control over this process. And
1: the crazy and get, thing is, is they see you too. Right, right. That's and always it is, the weird thing to me that everyone's sitting there waiting, sort right. of. Right, for- and and if I had been thinking
2: if I wanted to take it at my own pace, I should have hidden my results, but I didn't. Mm. And so during the day, we kind of sorted through the cousin's mother was an oldest child with a younger sister and a younger brother. Remember, my birth mother was a middle child. A lot of the details seemed to fit possibly my mother's side of the family, but we didn't have any confirmation. And then that evening, the cousin sent me a message. And it turns out that she was also adopted a year before me, but she had found her birth mother's family. And so she knew who everybody was, but nobody okay. knew there was another child.
1: <laughs> okay. So she was also adopted. Yeah.
2: A and year b- before So me. not
1: raised by the family that you're looking for. No. Mm-mm. But she's on Ancestry. I'm just getting it straight from my head. So she's on Ancestry. No, no, no an I ancestry. Know. It's confusing. Trust yeah, me. I, I know. The There's confusing. A lot of people
2: flying. It goes from like linearly. Linear, like,
1: I know. I know. Yeah. So she's in. She's kind of back in. Let's say the the birth family. And do they know about on her? her? Yes.
0: Yeah. She Pardon? just said, yeah, they know. About oh, her. they know about.
1: Her. She
2: okay. found. Okay. Her. Sorry, sorry. She had found her birth mother several years earlier, but nobody had ever mentioned there being another child that was put up for adoption. So gotcha. Yeah, we're up to speed. I was still a secret. So she reached out to her sister that was raised in the family, who called, and at this point. It's ancestry. People think they've hidden themselves, and there's public record all <laughs> over the place. And I had figured out that the middle sibling, the sister, could likely be my birth mother by dates, basically. And she was born in the same state as my birth mother. And but the cousin called her aunt. The cousin that was raised in the family called her aunt. She's very excited. She's like, "Oh, a new kid, someone new in the family. This is awesome, right?" And the aunt was like, "I am not going to talk about that. Don't ever mention it again. Click." Yeah. And so that in a way confirms that she very likely is my birth mother. Right. Sounds Um, like it. Yeah, it does. And
0: I'm guessing it was, by the way, you're telling the story.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm I'm guessing I still have not spoken ever. I don't have any contact.
0: Oh, okay. So, okay. Wow.
2: Yeah. Um, It turns out that I'm not quite the secret that she thinks I am. Some other people in the family had known for a long time. I have two half brothers who had known about another baby for some time and they and I, I have met them. How did they know about you? From my understanding, her husband told his mother who told the children, I think, which I don't think. So their right grandmother right. knows. Their grandmother right. told them. I have some opinions
1: about that. I don't, I, I was going to say that's very boundary crossing, but
2: okay. Yeah. I think they had a right to know that they had a sibling. I don't think yes. it was her place to tell them. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm glad that I was not a complete shock to them, but I don't think it was her place to tell them.
1: Well, kind of um, usurping their mother. It's so strange.
2: Yeah, I know. I think it's complicated. I think the family relationships are complicated. Families
1: are weird anyway. Families I mean, are just... <laughs> weird,
2: adopted, biological. I think they're all just they all they all have their stuff. And so then I knew that I had this one cousin who was raised in the family who did not see any point in any of the secrecy. And I, I um, tend to
0: be on that side of things too.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that you, at least in my personal moral universe, at least I wanted to reach out to my birth mother and be the, like, say, here I am before going around her to other family members.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. No, I right? get that.
0: I just think all the secrets and, you know, it's, oh, absolutely. right. Maybe you don't want to meet, but it's not your right to keep it secret from. I completely yes, agree. No, nope, I completely I agree feel. with you. And I think yeah.
2: secrets are toxic. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think yeah. it especially the secret that's, that's born of moral ethos and family drama from 56, almost 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares anymore. Yeah. Right. Sunlight is a disinfectant. Bring it out. Maybe it'll be healing, but you can't force people to do that. Right. And Honestly, she's in her. I don't even. How old is she now? Late seventies. She's old. <laughs> is it a kindness to force an old woman who doesn't want to face something to face it? If she's not ready, it's probably not. It's she just probably not, won't ever. Yeah. It's just not worth. Like again, if I'm going to go back to I what I really don't want to do in this whole process is traumatize anybody, then it's not worth forcing this. It's just so. Not, how
0: many years has it been? It's been four years since you've
2: since I figured her? out who she was. Yeah. And did you send then, her a message, or I did eventually. Yes, okay. I did eventually send her a message with some pictures of my family, and got no response. I debated whether you should send it. Some people say send it registered mail so you know they got it. But yeah,
0: you but, know, I, so might, I might send her another here. letter
2: at some point. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you right, might.
0: Yeah,
2: I maybe might. Maybe I one might. day she'll. Kinda but like but you've Wisconsin, met your give them a second chance. You know, you've met half siblings. Her yes, children hmm Yeah. Once, just once they live far away. Then did that and how, go well? We're in communication. It's fine. I mean, it's hard to develop relationships as adults. When you live a long way away, it's hard to develop relationships over a distance. And then there's the guy-woman thing. The it's what? just, just you know, men, men, do, they're, they're two mm-hmm. brothers. I don't know that they think to reach out. Like, I don't know. In my family... I do most of the social reaching out, and my husband's never. I was going to say, it, my but. husband
1: never reaches out to anybody. <laughs> it's, it is a male thing.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's not. No,
0: we, I mean, we have. A, we're fine. We're We're going to we, get crucified by a younger generation who says, <laughs> "Oh, to stop oh, my gender son. assigning." And I think I am, right. I think we shouldn't right. just. Yeah, assume. they're going to cruc-
2: Yeah, but we're, you know, I'm an old. <laughs> we're racist. <laughs> so. so
0: you know, a couple I was years always going. a millennial in a Gen X body, I have to say.
2: <laughs> well, you know, and hopefully I've raised my sons not to be that way. I mean, I'm, I've tried not. Right. to avoid to Trying to affect change with the next generation, right? Right. So a couple of years after that, I decided that, you know, I gave her about a year after the letter to reach out. She didn't. I'm like, well, I'm not going to get anything more out of her. So back to the DNA and let's see if we can figure out who the birth father is. And we went back and we started looking and... Part of the problem is that that side of the family get married multiple times and have four to six to eight kids with each spouse. So there's tons of people to wade through. But we eventually were able to, what we thought was pinpoint a couple where the two branches of the tree met and they only had two children. But one of them was the wrong age to be my father and had never been in the state where my birth mother lived. And the other disappeared off the record when they were three years old. Like they're in the 1910 census and then they never, they're lost, they're gone. So back in the day, they like death records weren't required by states often until the 1920s. It's entirely possible this child died and just it never made it into public record, but we can't find any traces of this kid anywhere. So again, we've hit a brick wall and I have to decide how badly I want this information. So you, you guys know about search angels? No. A search angel is a hobbyist who does genetic genealogy. Generally for no fee, you can find them through DNA search angel groups on Facebook. You have to give them access to all your records, but they will do DNA painter and they can try to help you find, pinpoint your genetic relatives. So <laughs> did you know about
1: all? that, sir? I'd never heard of that didn't, actually. No, no.
2: Yeah. DNA search angels. Yeah. So I decided that I I would like to figure this out if I could. I like to put a bow on the mystery, not enough to pay for it, but if someone was willing to do the research for free, I'd be happy to do it. You know, that would be fine. I had also, I said, I did ancestry. I also sent my DNA to 23andMe. I figured I would just cover all my bases. And a relative from 23andMe reached out, turns out also adopted, and they're clearly on the father's side. So at that point, I couldn't really help them, but they gave me the name of the search angel that they'd worked with. So I reached out to this person because that's, a, again, it's a lot of personal information to be trusting a random stranger with. And he took 10 days to agree with us that this is the couple that we need to be looking at. But again, he agreed that the children don't line up. The one kid definitely disappears. The other guy is definitely not the right person. So we're now we're thinking, well, there's another, not, another adoptee out there somewhere. Someone else had a baby out of wedlock, something. And the search angel says, well, have you seen this family genealogy online? I'm like, what? The family, the family historian had put up a huge multiple page family record story of the family online. And it mentions these people that we are assuming are my great grandparents.
1: Or would you see that just it's on like a private site or? No, it's I
2: think it's publicly available. I think the search angel Googled the names and found it. It it just had not occurred to me to just do a random Google search on the grandparents' names. Or if I had, I had missed it in the. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So I went and looked at it. He sent me the section that referenced the people we are assuming are my great grandparents. And in it, you know, you know, old newspapers used to publish when someone would go on vacation and come home or they went and had dinner at somebody's house. (laughs) And It mentions that the grandmother and her daughter had just returned from a trip. And I said, wait a minute, their daughter, who's the daughter? And he said, I don't know, ask the family historian. So I called, I reached out to the family historian and he said, no, 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 they only had two children. They had a boy and a girl. And I said, but the 1910 census says that the name is wrong. Ultimately, to cut to the trace, the okay. name is wrong on the 1910 census. It's a boy and a girl, not two boys. Not boy two did, boys. The boy disappears because he never really existed. They got the name wrong. Like, you know, Alvin instead of Alma, right? Yeah, gotcha. So once I searched for the girl's name, so now I put the girl's name into Ancestry. And within 10 minutes, I had found my birth father. Wow. 10 minutes. It it was just boom. She's exactly the right age. She got married. She died the day after the birth of her second child. Her husband had then moved the family to the same area where my birth mother lived. They grew up in the same part of the country. Which you strangely knew from your other information. Right. Right. And then when I Googled his name, I found his wedding announcement which confirmed that he was an artist who was a graduate student at an art school in this area and also confirmed that he was married.
0: <laughs> well, that's not unusual. People no. are often went on to get
2: <laughs> No, it's not. And it would explain it would explain how an older, but it all, but we also found out is that he was married. Oh, friend. he
0: was married while when when he was he pregnant? Yes. Oh, he was her, te- see, he was her teacher.
1: He was her, that's oh. what I was going to say. He must have been her professor. He
0: was her teacher. Wow. Yeah. Mm. He was your teacher. How many years
2: age difference was there? Ten. 10. years. 10 or 12, somewhere in there. I'd have to look up the did exact he page.
0: So did you reach out to him?
2: He's dead. He died oh. right about the time I started searching in earnest, right around. He died, oh, that he died shortly before my fourth child was born. But the search angel also, no, that'll get this. So the search angel sends me a picture and says, this is your sister. Here's your, here's your biological sister. Because he and his wife had a five-month-old baby at home when I was conceived. When you were conceived. Right. And the sister that brat is. That bastard. <laughs> the, sister the sister is artist. someone I've known for 20 years. The sister what? Oh, no. I've known for 20 years. Come what? On. In
1: Her your boys,
2: community? Our oldest children went to preschool together.
1: That could be like Sarah and I. <laughs> Gosh. crazy. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. We were born in the same state, but then I had, I had moved. I grew up actually in Iowa not Wisconsin. Part of my childhood was in Iowa part of, or Wisconsin part was in Iowa. She was from Wisconsin. And then we ultimately both moved to the same city and put our oldest children in the same preschool. So I just, Wait, I'm to know totally that they,
1: you get this picture. Are you like, that's my friend from pre? Oh yeah, no. I- and yeah, I was just,
2: yeah, that same kind of brain spinning. My brain doesn't even know how to process this. You just kind of fuzz out for a minute. Yeah. I'm, just, and wait, he, I'm conf-
0: Hold on. I'm confused. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Your <laughs> know, birth mother,
0: your birth mother got on a bus and came to Wisconsin.
2: Yes. From so, the West coast,
0: from the West coast. So she got pregnant on the West coast with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how did his daughter end up in Wisconsin?
2: Well, we, when I, I so, so I started sending now, you know, when I sent a letter, I found that his sister had a child is older than me. And she turns out to live not far from me now in New England. And I sent her a letter. It sounds like, I mean, I I, began without my birth mother talking to me, I just have to sort of figure out the story that makes the details make sense. Right. It sounds like right about the time she may have told him she was pregnant. He picked up the family and moved them to Wisconsin. So he ran away. Where you
0: were born. She told him where you were born. She followed him. She must have followed him.
2: followed him. I'm guessing she, she followed him.
0: Oh, so she got pregnant in Wisconsin. No, nope. it sounds like.
2: No, she got pregnant during her, the beginning of her senior year in high school.
1: So I, I'm thinking that she followed Oh, he was her
2: high school art teacher.
1: High school wow. art teacher. Very scandalous. I'm very thinking, scandalous. Oh, so I'm scandalous. thinking she comes to Wisconsin. That's the family friend if there's an emergency. I think so. Because I think so. he, he knows she's pregnant.
2: Right, right. I mean, my guess is that. Again, I don't know, but my guess yeah. is she was hoping he would help make it somehow, right somehow.
1: I can understand why she's full of all this. Can't you? I mean, the more the I trauma. hear about this,
2: it's like, why would I open this up, right? Unless she's ready to deal with this. And this is a lot to expect somebody. It'd be, to it would be
0: nice, though, to know your history and your story. It would. And it what happened. would. But, Do you guys um, know the term
2: ambiguous loss?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, this is ambiguous loss. Yeah, I'm never going to know if unless she changes her mind, because I have, you know, in talking to my half siblings, they don't know all of the stuff that I'm, like they don't know the extent of this. They thought he was a fellow high school classmate. So your uh. sister
0: slash friend, was she shocked when you told her? Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> hey, Sarah, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, quite. Uh. I just I just think that's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool.
2: Yeah. I had moved away from where we'd been living and we'd been in touch. We had reconnected through knitting of all things. We're both <laughs> obsessive knitters. And so I reached out to her through a knitting community website and said, so I'm looking for information about this person who's on this tree that your husband is maintaining. And she's like, oh, I'll have him get in touch with you. I'm like, okay, not quite hearing what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I'm looking for someone. I think you and I are connected. And turns
1: out that our birth father was not the greatest guy. I was going to say he's getting around a little.
2: He was getting around and just not the greatest guy. And her mother had eventually divorced him too.
1: Now, did her mother know about your birth or any, you don't know. I have sort of a similar situation is why I'm asking. So it's, yeah,
2: I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe she sounds like an awesome woman. She she was, I think, smart as a whip.
0: So she's no longer alive?
2: No. That's
0: thing. And so is your half sister like happy to have
2: you as a sibling Are yes. there other siblings? There is another sibling who is not ready to. And you that's know,
0: her see. full sibling. Yes. Okay.
2: And, and she's just,
0: happy and welcome, like embraced you as a sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: We chat, text all the time and get together over Zoom and knit together and talk. And when I'm in town, I see her and Yeah. Yeah, it's good, actually. All my life, I wanted a sister. I always wanted a sister. Always, 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 always. It sometimes makes me wonder, like, these things they say babies know, if I'm getting letting myself get into the la la, you know, (laughs) know, (laughs) my fertile imagination. Did my birth mother know that there was a sister for me out there? And did I somehow know that I have it? Because I've always wanted a sister, like, really wanted a sister. And now I have several. (laughs) So, because the other thing I did... Well, I've, I found birth father had had a third child, well, fourth, and I've made contact with her as well, but we all, we're kind of all scattered all over the country. So, and then there was this pandemic. So right, we yeah. haven't been able to meet. Yeah.
0: Well, that uh, your story just is just
2: blowing my
1: mind a little bit. I'm like, wow, it's, <laughs> just... <laughs> it's, it's kind of wild, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's a normal yeah. journey. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, how's all this in Wisconsin going on? Like, yeah, Wisconsin of all places. Wisconsin's not usually hot. Where do you
0: like live that. now?
2: I'm in New England. I'm outside Boston. Oh, okay. We lived in Illinois and then my husband got a job out here. We've been out here for a long time.
0: My biological family is in New Hampshire and upstate New York. My biofather's family is in New Hampshire. And mm-hmm. then
2: yeah, biological. it turns out my my genetic family, my biofamily looks like they came into the country through Canada. Same with them. mine. And then it trickled down through New Hampshire, Vermont. Uh-huh. Right. Same with and, my then ended, and, and then New they York. migrated to the Midwest. I started poking around. It turns out I'm related, distantly related to one of my great, great, I don't even know how many times great grandfathers was one of the early Mormon settlers, was one of the people that was arrested with Joseph Smith in Missouri. Like, <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I'm a good Presbyterian, I'm a Presbyterian, but that's kind of like, okay. My father was a Presbyterian minister. My adoptive father was a Presbyterian minister. Yeah, so kind of where we stand is that I have to decide if I'm going to send any, reach out to my birth mother again, or if it's just kinder just to let it go. I think it might just be kinder to let it go at this point. Maybe Um, she'll come
0: across this podcast randomly, happenstance. Maybe,
2: (laughs) maybe. And when we talk about like genetic mirroring, right? Yes. When I saw her picture, I don't look anything like her really, I don't think. So all my life, one of the things about having my own children was like someone who's going to look like me, right? Right. And then I don't really see myself in their faces. I see their father a lot. And I don't think I look very much like my biological mother. My oldest daughter looks a lot like her mother. Like it's scary. It can and also be
1: mannerisms like, and just these. Little- yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and I also, but you also learn mannerisms from your adoptive family, don't you think? Yeah. I think like this thing I'm doing right here, this is my adoptive father. This is what he does when he's thinking this thing.
0: I mirror more my biological family. Well, that was the one thing my ex, when we, when he saw all of us together, he was like, oh my God, everything you do
2: is the same. I have that. I look a lot like my biological father. When we saw his picture, we're like, oh, there you go.
1: And do you look like your friend who's now your sister? I do. (laughs) I do. A friend of another friend, I I sent a picture to
2: another friend and said, oh my God, she's my sister. And her son looked at it and said, how did they not know? How did they, that's so funny. You'll have I mean, to send us a picture.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah send us privately
2: love a to picture. See it. Privately, I'll send you, yeah. Not for us to post. I just yeah, 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 would please. love to see um, it.
0: Well, this has just been really great and I can't wait to hear what you decide next and I, what happens next. Will you keep us posted?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun talking to you.
0: Yeah, really great. Full of surprises. <laughs>
2: yes, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it
1: <Yeah. Good laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Ruth, thank you. And keep coming to things, too. I yes, I know. I do.
2: I know. well, it's, My daughter has dance class from seven to eight on Wednesdays. It's perfect.
1: I love it. I love it. So well, I sit out in the car and watch you. This, yes. is, this has just been great. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, for Thank you it. so much, Ruth. So You're nice welcome. to have you. Yep. Thanks for having Talk me. To you soon. Bye. Yeah, bye. Okay, bye. 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 Well, Sarah, that was well, Louise,
0: it was that shock ending of you know, it just shows like you just are drawn inexplicably to people and finding out it was her sister. That's incredible.
1: That's incredible. That ending, I thought of two things with Ruth. I thought, I keep thinking about her brave mom, Mm -hmm. you know, just being this kid going to Wisconsin for whatever the story is, we don't know, but it kind of seems like we might know. And she's there to have this baby. And then Ruth can't really get her answers because of that trauma, mm-hmm. which is the ongoing trauma. And then like you and I sitting there, you know how we used to be on like our food truck. People say, oh, you guys kind of look like you're both adopted. That's funny. And we'd laugh They're like, oh, guess what? Yes. Hey, friend, <laughs> you're my sister. That's got to be bizarre.
0: Really crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I've learned a lot about the ancestry DNA. Stuff. I mean, just even the angel search.
0: Search angel. I never knew that.
1: No, I think that's we good should
0: for, we should find a search angel group and link it in our episode notes so that anyone who's listening that if they want to that's a good you idea. Know, need some help with their search then give them access to search angels. So we will do that.
1: Yep. Well, I'm glad we had her on tell her story. It's cool. Me too. Well, what do we say?
0: <laughs> Another great episode.
1: <laughs> Another great episode. See ya. See ya.
0: Thanks so much for listening today.
1: And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at The Making of Me Podcast.
0: And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon The Making of Me. Bye. See you next time. Oh,